Almighty God, we come before you this morning, Father, uh, with deep appreciation for the invitation, for the time that you have given us to come before you and to come together as a family. Father, help us to worship you well. Father, my prayer is, is that, that we are already in that mindset, already just thinking of you. God, that we are already worshiping you and praising your holy name. Father, in the next little bit, I pray that as we go through the scriptures, through your truth, through your word, God, my prayer today is that, that we will see you. We will hear you and we will see you. Help us to listen well. Help us to hear who you are. Help us to take that in. And Father, help us to live in obedience to all of that because of who you are. So Father God, lead and teach us in the moments to come. May we leave here with a, a better or a deeper understanding and a desire, Father, to live life the way you desire us to live it because you live. Father, we thank you and praise you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, Trey, thank you for that last song, man. Um, I love that song and not not just not just the tune not just the 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 music but uh I'd, I'd invite you to look it up and read the words to that song uh it is it is truly meaningful and um uh, inspirational inspiring should i say inspiring so everybody doing good Everybody well? Cool. I uh, hope you had a good week. So let me ask you a question before I get started on this. We, we'll eventually maybe possibly get back into Hebrews. We'll see. But I felt led. Uh, you ever been inspired? Anybody in here ever been inspired by a message? Uh, Y'all need to listen to more messages. Um, so last week, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to Trey as he's, he's presenting the message, done an awesome job. If you didn't hear it, go back and listen again. Uh, but one thing caught, uh, caught me. I don't, I don't know. We, we're in the season, right, of, of baby Jesus coming. Okay? We're in that season. I don't see Jesus as a baby. He did come as a babe. He absolutely come as a babe. Uh, in all the humbleness that God could possibly lay into a manger, yes, that's possible. But a king came. And so Trey flexed a little bit last week, and, and something that caught my mind in, in viewing Jesus, he is our king. He is above all things. He is glorious. He is majestic. He knows all, does all, has authority over all. So that kind of got me started in where I'm going today, because here, here, you know, like, I don't know, anybody got any changes? You ain't got to, don't shout it out. Anybody got any changes happening in their life? Sure. If you're breathing, you got change happening, right? And so today I want to give as clear a picture that, well, I shouldn't even say me. God, I think God wants to give us a clear picture of who he is because we believe this as Christians. We believe this as followers of Christ. Who would raise their hand and say, God is in control of all things? Now, let me ask you this question. Do you believe that? Let me ask you another question. Does it matter to you that he is in control of all things? And the last question before we get into the scripture, and I'm going to use me, I can't say you. Am I living as though he is in control of all things? Meaning, is there anything that robs me or my attention from God because I'm not trusting and not believing he is in control of all my circumstances. After all, and you'll hear me say this in the message, who created our circumstances? God. Our life. Psalm 139 says, he laid our days out before one was ever lived, right? If he laid our days out before one was ever lived, he knew what our days would look like, amen? He knew every pain, every struggle, every joy. And by the way, I don't want this just to be a message of like, uh, you know, just tough and horrible circumstances. God also takes you to mountaintops. Amen. Hey, absolutely. Has any, anybody ever felt 
or not felt. That's a horrible word. Has anybody ever experienced the joy of the Lord? If you hadn't, let's talk after service. So he takes you to those places. And what I, I want to encompass all of this, but <clears throat> so many times I believe we are, we are like kind of scared to live, to risk, to walk, to do, to venture into because we, we, we say we know this God who controls and has authority over everything and even sets our days in place. Um, beautiful picture. God knew everything about you, knows everything about you, knows exactly what will happen and what's going to take place in your life. From the day you were born to the day you die, nothing in your life, no circumstance in your life will ever take God by surprise, ever. And here's something else. Regardless of what our circumstances may look like, he's always there and in control, right? Does God ever stop being God? No. So he's always got. So uh, maybe I created a little bit a little bit of confusion, a little bit of uh, curiosity, and so I want to kind of clear that up. When I got through watching Trey last week, and uh, and it was it, it inspired me. It caused me to rejoice because Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. That's who He is, and He's big. To use a nursery school kind of example, He's bigger than anybody. A little boy was asked one time, "How big is God?" And he said, "This big." He's, he's everything. He's all. And so after I got through listening to the message last week, I, uh, uh, I get kind of like an update of things. So Chuck Swindoll message, come on, I'm going to rob his title today so he gets the credit for this title. And, uh, and he got a little bit of his testimony I'll show, uh, share with you just so you can kind of get a, a perspective of where I'm coming from. But it, this title caught me, and I sat there for about 15, 20 minutes pondering this and uh, because we make plans, right? Who's got plans for this week? Don't lie. Who's got plans? We got plans. Nothing wrong with plans, okay? Has God ever changed your plan? Yes, he will. Is God's plan best? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Do we always know and understand all of God's plan? No, we don't. That's why we have to trust him. That's why we have to trust him. So as I was listening to that thing, Chuck laid this title out, Responding to God's Other Plans. Responding to God's Other Plans. Because we can plan, we may plan, and, and God may lay everything out where it comes pretty close to our plans. But I, my, my experience, and this is just my experience, more times than not, when I lay something out and I back away from it with a, a like an air of like, that's pretty doggone good. <laughs> God messes that up. And he used to get aggravated or upset when God would mess that up. Now I'm becoming more and more thankful when God messes that up. Right? I so want to see the church as a body, not just immersed, but, but the church as a body, start to view God in light of who he is. There's verses that have been going through for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks now. God would never leave me or forsake me. God laid my days out before one was ever lived. God was always with me. God walks with me. He carries me through the valley and he'll carry me to the mountaintops. But God never changes. God never diminishes. His power and authority is always his power and authority over all things. All things. So Chuck Swindoll, I'll lay out just a little responding, uh, responding to God's other plans. Um, he made a few comments, and I'll, I'll share those with you. Uh, most of us live uh, has lived long enough, and we know this fact that the battle battle of the wheels are going on. Anybody ever battled God's will? Sure, sure. So the, there's a battle of wheels. We want what we want, right? And I, and I don't want to present that as a, a horrible, bad thing, but we always must, if we're planning, we always must consider that our plans are not as divine and righteous and right as God's is. You have to consider that. You have to understand that. Nothing wrong with planning, but don't get all jaw-jacked if God shapes and twists your plans, right? So many times in our Christian culture, especially here in America today, we plan and ask God to bless that plan instead of seeking after the plan of God. 
Let me say that one more time. So many times here in our nation, in our Christian culture, we plan and ask God to bless that plan instead of seeking the plan of God. It should go like this. God, here's some plans. I'm laying them out according to Scripture. Do they line up with what you desire for me? In, in light of thinking that, is, is our chief goal in living out our Christian life, is, to, is it our, our chief goal to glorify God? Is that our chief goal? Nothing else, nothing else. And whatever we do, however we do it, God, help me to glorify you. You. Adrian Rogers made a statement one time. Uh, uh, I was hearing him preaching. He said, I, I didn't save you. He was speaking of Jesus. I didn't save you to make you healthy and wealthy. I saved you to make you more like Christ. I saved you to make you more like Christ. And listen, that takes training, right? And God is training us. And sometimes we go into the, the little p diddly part of the weight room where it's just these little, little, uh, you know, weights that a 10 year old can lift. And some God takes us into the part of the weight room that you strain, struggle, sweat, and, and, and it hurts. But when you come out, you know what I'm saying? You're a little stronger. You're a little smarter. You're, so God takes you to these places. And his plans is always the best. So how do we respond when God changes our plan? One of the things I want you to know is that uh, you know, as we make plans, it seems like God comes along and has the audacity to change them. Really? Yes, really. I'll tell you something, and this is a side note. Uh, go ahead and put up Psalm 32, 511. I want to tell you something as a side note. God's plans will always be better than ours. God's always smarter than ours. God always knows what's best for us. God is always um, in, in, in the, uh, working in the way that will bring him glory. God bought us at a price. We are the pot. He is the potter. Stop arguing with the potter. Be submissive to holy God. So Psalm 32 gives us a little bit of a instruction, a little bit of guidance. What does God do? And I want to paint this picture or give you this visual of, uh, and I know you, know you may know it, but listen to it. it, it you, you can't always, you can never overhear Scripture too much. Amen? So Psalm 32 will encourage us and, and help us know that God is in control, control and there's something he does. We'll read this and I'll lay out a little side note for you. Finally, I confessed all my sins to say, hey, this, this dude, David, he's, he's been sinful, right? Anybody in the room here sinful? Yeah, so, so we know. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Tell you, you want to feel spiritually clean? Lay your heart before Almighty God. Confess it honestly, completely. He already knows, but, but confess that to him. It's kind of aggravating to have to snatch a toy out of a kid's hand. It's better when they come and just hand it to you, right? Hand it to God. Hand it to God. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there's still time, that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. The Lord says, the Lord says, and this is verse 8. This is what I want to spend just a minute on. Here's what the Lord says. Repentive hearts. How often should we repent? Every day. How often should we have a repentive heart? All the time. How often should we look for those things that need to be repented of and given to God? Every day. Every day. Living with a repentive heart. If we live in with a repentive heart, if we live in with trusting God, then he says, the Lord says, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. We got to read that one together. Okay? So here we go. The Lord says, I will guide you along what? The best pathway for your life. Who knows what's best? God. 
Isn't it weird that, that as Christians, and that's who I'm speaking to this morning, okay? I'm speaking to the believer. Isn't it weird that we try to come up with a, a Christian life and then try to live something that is outside of God's will? We're trying to live a pathway, walk a pathway that we've kind of paved ourselves, and it's like walking barefooted on cobblestone with glass mixed in with it, the things that we we fix, and, and instead of walking in the way that God says, he said, I will guide you along your path. Here we go. I marked this in my Bible just so I could uh, make this point and drive it home to you. Verse 8 says, I will guide you. Means he will instruct you. Who needs instruction? We do, right? He will guide you. He instructs you. You got to read your Bible. You got to seek God. You got to pray. You got to communicate and commune with God to get the instruction that you need. Who, who needs instruction for daily life? We all do, right? So he will, he will instruct you along the best, I love that, the best pathway for your life. God knows what's best for you. Believe me, the one who made the pot knows the pot better than the pot knows itself. He designed you, so he knows the best way. He goes on to say, I will advise you. I will advise you. I will teach you. Again, instruct you, show you, grow you up. I love that, to, to grow you up, to make you wise, to, to make you knowledgeable, to help you understand. So he says, I will advise you. I will give you uh, the best of information, the best instruction to do what, what you should be doing. After all, I made you. I made you. He will watch over you. Means his eye is up on you. Don't, don't be stubborn. Seriously. He goes on to say in verse nine, don't be like the senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep, keep it under control. You've seen horses. You've seen mules. Um, I've heard stories of a mule that my granddad had that was so, so stubborn. Said if you'd hit him in the head with a bat, it'd break the bat. You know, he, he, he was just stubborn. And the only way you, you had to physically turn and twist, and it's always a fight. Stop fighting with God. Submit. Submit to his will. Submit to his will so that you can listen, so that you can hear, so that you can see he's going along the best pathway. And if you agree with that, and you ain't got to raise your hand, if you agree that God can lead us along the best pathway, his way, his pathway, then just follow him. Listen. Again, and I, I know I say this a lot, you talk with Christians who their lives are in, they're in an uproar and you sit there and you listen and you, you say something stupid like, tell me what your problem is and then you're going to hear it. Okay. And so you, you ask and, and they begin and, and it's like they're sitting there in a panic attack and beads of sweat and you're looking and, and you just read a passage like this and, and you're thinking and, and the first thought that God lays on your mind is like, well, that's simple. You're not listening. But I love God. No, you want enough God to feel safe. You want enough God to feel secure. You're not following God. It's like you build your house next to a grocery store because you're scared you're going to starve to death. And if you're next to the grocery store, you won't starve to death, right? It's kind of that... That, that, that crazy little security. No, we, we are to walk in the ways of God. He guides us, instructs us, he advises us, he teaches us, he watches over. If God is watching over my life, if he's watching over my life, then I am in very good hands. Would you agree? The best of hands. Trust that. Believe that. But Danny, my circle, and we're going to talk about circumstances in just a minute. Okay? Trust that. I know, guys, listen, I feel a little bit like an idiot right now because saying this to you from the stage is really easy. Monday morning's coming, right? This is real easy to say from the stage. Tomorrow morning is when reality will set in, maybe before tomorrow morning. You will have the opportunity 
I'm going to make you a promise, okay? And you can tell me next week if it came true. You will have the opportunity today, tomorrow, throughout this week, maybe all week. You might have five Mondays in one week. I've had them. You will have the opportunity to walk along the right pathway with the instruction of Almighty God doing the right thing and cannot for the life of you understand why he put you here. But he's still God, right? He never stops being God. He is God. Maybe, just maybe, I need five Mondays in a week to appreciate my Savior, to appreciate the instruction of God. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he had to put the bridle in my mouth to turn me to in, in the right direction. Anybody in here hard-headed other than me? Maybe he has to stick that bridle in and he has to twist on it because you're not listening. And he loves you too much. He's bought you with the blood of Christ. He loves you too much to let you go off on your own. He said, no, it's my instructions. That's what you need to pay attention to. And I have the best pathway for you. Well, I can't see that. Well, you know, you're not always going to see lollipop and candy canes, right? It's not going to be rosy red. Sometimes you're going to have to eat some licorice or, or celery or something, you know? I know that y'all, I don't know why I throwed that at you, but anyway, uh, I hate celery and can't stand licorice. Um, so anyway, some, sometimes you, you, it, it's just that way. But it's, it's for a benefit. So many times in our circumstances, we, we tend to close off our ear canals, spiritually speaking. We tend to close them off and start crying out to God, fix it, fix it, fix it. And God said, I'm fixing you. I'm not fixing that. I'm walking you through that. I am fixing you. It's going to take this to put you where you need to be according to my will and my way. Trust me, in all circumstances, you can, you can do that. I've, I've, I've had this saying, I've said this before. People say, man, you know, it's just tough walking the walk. It's just tough. It, it is tough when you don't trust God. And it'll be tough then. I don't know. I, I, I kind of invented this visual <laughs> that God is always with me. God is always with me. And that, that again, it's easier said from the stage than it is to live. I, I get it. I understand it. But he is instructing us. He is showing us. He's leading, guiding, directing. He is with us. Living with a repentive heart helps us to see and hear God's direction. I've been asked this question before. How, uh, well, I've been asked two questions, actually. Is it necessary for a believer to repent? You better know it is. Now, I ain't going to ask you what, but anybody step in any sin this week? No, 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 I didn't. Uh, did you think something? I read, I read somewhere that uh, we shouldn't call anybody an idiot. You realize that's a sin? If you've been down I-20, you've said that to somebody at 7.30 in the morning, right? And you can even drive on the streets in Batesburg now and say that. It's, it's, it's sinful. Our, 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 our view and, 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 and looking at, I mean, we can, looking at other people, looking at our circumstances, it's, 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 these are, are sinful things. And, and we, we, our minds are not clear if we don't repent of those things. A repentive heart is like pine sawing your spiritual ears and your spiritual eyes, being in the Word of God. And, and saying and listening and, and, and praying Scripture and, and hearing God speak back to you to, to listen intentively and intensive, uh, wanting God to soak that in and wanting God to train us up to deal with our circumstances. Have anybody ever had this? And we'll move on after this. Has anybody ever had the thing that, that you said, I'm never doing that again because it's not honoring to God. I'll never do it again. And next, next hour, you do that again. And then you say, God, I'm never doing that again. I'm not going to do that again. That's just, I'm just not. And then you do it again. You know what I believe happens? It hasn't been repented of. 
we still have it in our little briefcase or whatever, our file, that we can reach in and use it. When we repent, we hand it to God, turn away from it, and walk away from it. We must have a repentive heart and a repentive mind to hear and see God's direction. Chokes from Dahl made a statement. He said, we have, uh, we have no control over our circumstances. Ain't nobody in here knows what's going to happen tomorrow. Nobody in here knows what's going to happen tomorrow except God. Right, a little brief testimony. Chuck, Chuck said he took. Uh, he's an old guy, and if you if you don't know him, he probably mid late seventies. Awesome guy. I, I love to listen to him. He just he makes sense. He speaks redneck. Okay, and so I can I can hear him, but uh, he made a statement. His church actually gave him two months off this summer to kind of refresh and recoup and, 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 you know, get, get, you know, cause it, it, whether you believe this or not, uh, a pastor gets tired. I, I don't know. I mean, he only works on Sunday. I don't know why he gets tired, but, but it happens. And so anyway, he, he, he took this time to refresh. He said, um, the first or second day of this uh, kind of sabbatical kind of thing that he had, he said it was 110 degrees and the air conditioner quit. A minor little deal, yeah, you know. Uh, so he said, I thought it'd be kind of relaxed, and I had made plans to sit around and do some reading and do some studying and some praying and, and just refresh, and my house is 110 degrees. He said, so I don't know why a, a 14-year-old air conditioning unit decided to quit, but it did. So he had that, and he said, kind of like two weeks after that, one of his really close friends died, and he was asked to do the eulogy at their funeral, and, and, he, and he did, and you know, Went to heaven. There's a celebration, but there's a missing. There's there's a there is a a. Uh, it's just hard, right? It's it's just hard. So thirty days after that, another mentor of his mentor. This guy's ninety one years old. Another mentor of his. He passes away, and he was asked to do the eulogy for that funeral. He said it seemed like I was becoming the pastor of eulogies, you know. And so he went and he did the eulogy and and. Uh, and 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 took care of that and said it, you know it's somber and you're just heartbreaking again. He's in heaven, but but I'm gonna miss my mentor, miss my friend. And 30 days after that, his brother Orville passes away, and so he was asked to do the eulogy for his brother. And he said, "This is this is this whole summer deal." And he said, "To top it all off with," he said, "I got an eye disease." He said, and "I've had three or four shots in the eye." Yeah, I've had three or four shots in the eye. He said, and then the last time they, they did it, he's, he's got some kind of disease that every time this, this stuff keeps moving, it robs a little bit more of his sight and it doesn't come back. So long story short, let me get, get, get so we can get to the stuff we need to be on. He said in the process, the doctor fell up here and said he had a cyst right in his eyebrow. Said there was the cyst. Said you really need to get that taken care of. And Joe's like, it's been there for years. It'll be okay. And so now you really, really need. So long story short, they end up cutting this thing out and uh, and sending it off and getting it checked and all. But uh, the the part that uh, he he said wasn't in his plan. They dug it out the first time and ended up having to go back in and dig some more. And he uh, he said, I, I that wasn't in my plan. Hence, bro, when how to respond to God's other plans. And he goes on to tell how God worked in all of those things. In all of those things. But it wasn't in his plan. And he, and he said, it's probably not in your plans. He says, see, we never know what our circumstances will look like tomorrow. We never know. But there is a God over our circumstances. So moving along, let's just go through some scripture, and then I want to get to Daniel 3, and, and you'll know where I'm going. It's not unfamiliar orders. Proverbs 16.9 says this, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. I just want to share some things that says God is in control. James 4.13.15 says, Come now. You who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you do not know, listen to this carefully, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. 
What is your life? I don't mean to be morbid here, but I want to prove a point. Somebody sitting in this room right here, right now today, may not be here in the morning. I just, you know, you, you don't know, right? You don't know. If you are a follower of Christ, draw close, listen well, be obedient to. We may plan, but God He establishes our steps. We don't know what's going on tomorrow. Our life is like for for us. It's like a mist that appears for a little time, and there and and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, "If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that." If the Lord wills. So, in response to all that, um, how do we deal with God's? other circumstances and other plans. How do we deal with that? What well, we noticed already, we trust God, right? And I'm going to give you one of the best visuals from Scripture I think uh, that you could possibly have. This isn't made up. This is God's Word. This actually happened. And I believe every detail that is written in, in Scripture actually took place in this, this passage of Scripture. People will debate it. So no, it's just me- metaphorically or it's just a... And like, no, this, this happened. I trust that. So we go to Daniel 1 to start with. Just because I want to share this with you. Verse 1, I mean, chapter 1, verse 1 in Daniel. During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. <laughs> Listen to this. This was God's plan. Listen to this carefully. God gave him, listen to this, he gave Nebuchadnezzar. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah. He gave him. This is God's other plan. How do you respond to God's other plan? Because I guarantee you, we're going to read here, well, I'll read it now. Said so the king ordered, I think it's Ashpenaz, S, Ashpenaz, his chief staff to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been uh, brought to Babylon as captives. I'll almost go ahead and tell you 100%. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that wasn't in their plan to be captives. But it was in God's plan. It was in God's plan. So how do you respond to that? Sitting in this room this morning, listening to me by live stream, sitting in, in this place, I'll say this. You, you don't know what God's plan is, but I can tell you this. God's plan is going to happen. God doesn't lay out a plan and say, mm, I might need to tweak that. God's plan is perfect, but it don't look perfect, not to you, because you haven't got the eyes to see. The only eyes you need to trust is the eyes of God and trust that He's carrying you where you need to go and supposed to go and will need to go. Trust God. They didn't plan to be captives. So we're going to look at the story of uh, Daniel. Daniel refused to eat the food that they were offer, offering him because uh, he, he just wasn't going to defile his body with it. He was staying true to God. Now you can take this and uh, I pray that you listen carefully as we go through. I'm not reading the whole thing. I would encourage you to go back and read chapter 3, all of it, but for time, uh, sake of time, we're going to hit uh, hit the, the high spots here. But I want you to grasp it. God had a plan for them. How would you consider, or what would you consider, what would you think of if you were capped uh, uh, captured, taken to a strange city, all the things that you know about God, all the things you believe about God was put to the side, laid to the side, and, and, and be told that you're now going to worship this false God. Or, and we'll get to the or in just a second. So Nebuchadnezzar 
made a gold statue. This thing was a monster, 90 feet tall and nine feet wide, and uh, nine feet wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura. Uh, this is in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messengers of the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial uh, officials to come and uh, come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all of these officials came and stood before the, uh, the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. He says, when you hear this music, he goes through all the instruments, verse 4. But when you hear this music, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused. Another comment that Chuck made during his message a while ago, he said, you know what? We don't know where this nation will be tomorrow or 10 years from now. We don't know. In light of knowing God and in light of hearing God, uh, I was talking a little before service today, and I've said this before, guys. For the believer, our days are getting better. I didn't say circumstances, but we're getting closer to being with Christ. I want to I wanna hopefully give you a visual to, 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 to cling to and how to how to go through things, that, that God is in control. There is nothing. God isn't doing a battle that he's scared of losing. Satan's already been defeated. The demons are already as good as dead. But we got a time to live. Jesus said, you're going to have some problems. You're going to have some troubles. That's going to happen. You're living in a cesspool where sin you know, runs rapidly or rampantly, you're, you're living in that place, but I'm still God. I'm still God. I, I still am the one who set the stars in place, put the moon in its place. I'm still the one who told the ocean you can't go any farther than that. I am still that God. So trust me with your life. And I know this sounds like kind of old news maybe, but, but think for a minute. Do we... Trust Him with our life. Because here's what that looks like. If we're trusting Him with our life, we're going to follow what He shows us. We're not going to live in disobedience to those things. Are we like a child and need correction? Absolutely. I was in a conversation the other night with someone about hating your sin. Your view of sin as a believer has to be different than it was before you were a believer. Sin needs to be hated, despised. So where do we go? What, 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 do, we, what do we do? How do we deal with these, these circumstances that God lays in front of us? So I want to share this. First of all, can you just put this up? Because I want to share this. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. I want to share this with you. And, and I want you to go home and pray over this passage of Scripture. And I want you to think about this passage of Scripture. I want you to meditate upon it. I want you to ask God to give you instruction and wisdom and knowledge of this passage of Scripture and glean everything you can glean out of this passage of Scripture. Because here's what the God who is in control of everything has authority over all things. Here's what His Word tells his friends, which is the ones that he has saved, his children. This is what he tells the ones who belong to him. Listen what he says. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through. They shouldn't shock you. They're going to happen. So don't be surprised as if something strange were happening to you. Instead. That means instead, y'all didn't catch it. Anyway, that means instead, I just seen if you're awake, be very glad. What? What? Be very glad for these trials. Make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. Write that scripture down. Go home, meditate upon that. God never leaves us. He said, don't be surprised. 
Don't be surprised. Things are going to take place. Not always going to be pleasant. But back to Daniel chapter 3. Here we go. So Nebuchadnezzar tells the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so look here. Get it. He tells the, the officer to bring them to him. He has this conversation with them. Like, listen, guys, I'm going to give you one more shot to bow down and worship me. I'm going to give you one more chance to bow down. And if you don't, these things or this thing is going to happen to you. Now, how do you respond to God's other plans. This was God's plan that they be kept, uh, um, captured, brought to Babylon, face Nebuchadnezzar. This was all in God's plan. Ain't nobody shuffled Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out from under the care of God. God, God did it. He sent them there. He sent them there. These guys knew God. So listen, the same God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, guess whose God he is also? Ours. Ours. So let's take just a second. Let's look at what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in God's plan faces. Here we go. They tell Nebuchadnezzar, uh, or he, he tells them, he said, you're going to be thrown in to this furnace if you don't bow down and worship me. I believe we need to start in verse 16. If not, we'll back up. Yeah, well, let's start just a little higher up here where it says, but if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God, I love that, Nebuchadnezzar, you're so blind. What God will be able to rescue from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, I always just want to pause for just a second. Now, I was telling Trey this morning, maybe we can research this, I don't know, but it doesn't matter. I don't know if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a little bit of fear of being thrown into the fire. I mean, you, you face some fire, you know, it's like, mm, that, that's going to be hot. That's, that's going to get, I don't know. I don't know what their thoughts were before then, but they knew who their God was. They knew who their God was, Amen. If you are a follower of Christ, do you know who your God is? These are some difficult circumstances. We, we can respond to our circumstances just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did because we know God. Listen to what he said. O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. I love that. It's like saying, we belong to the Most High God. We don't need to give you an answer or a reason or nothing. We don't need to defend ourselves. Our God is going to defend us. Yeah, and you're going to die in that heat. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He is able. Any circumstance you're facing, God is able. It doesn't matter. God is able to do with whatever He needs to do with. God is able. Well, what if He lets me go through it? You know, there's people who die of cancer, right? And for us, that's a horrific thing, but it doesn't mean that God wasn't with them if they were His child, right? I was told of a lady this week who uh, she's a believer and uh, she has cancer stage four. She met with a pastor to plan her funeral service. Got about 16 weeks. You know, when you got 16 weeks, it gets real, don't it? How does our focus shift? I'll guarantee you if we have 16 weeks and we knew that, we had 16 weeks. I bet you this would get picked up. I bet you we would hit our knees. I bet you we'd start crying out to God. I bet you would start looking for the things that God is working in and say, God, use me. I, I think our whole perspective and, and living would change. So my question being, why doesn't it? We don't know what tomorrow holds. We could have 16 hours. 
and talking to the ones who belong to God through Jesus Christ. So he says, our God is able to save us. He had full confidence. They had full confidence in God. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar, you can't overthrow or overdo God. We got full confidence in our God. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Verse 18, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. We will never turn back. We will never give up on God. He is able, and even if He's not, that's okay. His plan, right? I keep going on, maybe because I'm getting older. I don't know, but I keep going over this in my mind. What's so horrible about leaving this earth? Why do people fear that so much? And, and believe me, I'm, I'm not the sharpest tack in the box. But, but why do we fear? Why do we fear death? Why do we, I, I, as a believer, I'm speaking to the believer. That should be something we look forward to. Now, I'm not an idiot. I want to serve God as long as He has me here on this earth, right? But one of the most precious thoughts I have, I just turned 56, I'm getting closer to seeing Jesus. I'm 56 years closer than I was. That should bring, <laughs> that should bring joy. See, our perspective as believers so many times is we get so tangled, so busy with life. God bless this. God bless that. I'll trust you. I'll trust you. And all at the same time, we're not trusting. We just want God to deal with our life. When in reality, we have a God who is in control of all circumstances, and we get all tangled up and get all aggravated and get all frustrated when things aren't working like we believe they should work. And God has other plans, and His plan is right. His plan is right. So to go on, just another minute or two, they were secure, they believed, and they trusted God's plan, whatever that was. So Nebuchadnezzar was so furious, he took the guys, tied them up, threw them in this furnace, and it was so hot. He had to, by the way, he had the uh, stove or the oven or thing heated seven times hotter than normal. It was so hot that the guys that bound Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them in there, they burst into flames and died. It burned them up. That's how hot it was. And to paraphrase just a little bit further, here's the beauty of our God. God could have easily said, he could have, he could have just took the ashes of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and took them home. It, it could have turned out that way. That wasn't in God's plan. You know what? That wasn't in God's plan. Me either. It just wasn't in God's plan, right? God decided to keep them alive. I'll tell you one of the reasons God decided to keep them alive. Because in 2022, on a really cool November day, we needed to hear about this God that kept these guys alive. That God does work in the lives of in the lives of people who have desperate situations. I don't know if you've ever stood in front of a furnace with somebody threatening you to throw it in, throw you into it, but that was a pretty desperate situation. We need to hear this because we need to know who God is. We need to remember who God is. We need to live in a way that testifies to who this God is. So Nebuchadnezzar throws them in. They're in, falling in these flames seven times hotter than normal. And Nebuchadnezzar looks in the furnace and he sees four guys walking around. Another reason that this made it to the Word of God for people to read and understand about the God of other plans. This is another reason it made it. And let's, let's read what it says. God does things in circumstances for profound reasons. 
24, verse 24, but suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and excitement to his advisors uh, yeah, and, his, and his claim to his advisors. Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. They replied, look, explanation point, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth one looks like a god. 26, then Nebuchadnezzar came to uh, came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. And then the high office officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. That's the God we serve. That doesn't mean that he's never going to let you not be flame-kissed. There will be some difficult circumstances. But God decided it was God's plan for the testimony of who he is. This is my point of the whole message, by the way. To testify of who he is. Any circumstance that we will ever go through as a child of God is to testify of who he is, not who we are. It's to testify to a holy God. He is righteous, holy, full authority, in control of every single thing. So they jump up. I love this. Not a hair on their heads were singed. Have you ever stuck? I've stuck my arm. In, in heaters to put wood into a heater. I've stuck my arms and draw back and say, mm, that stinks. You know, it just burns the hair off your arm. I mean, it grows back, but that, that wasn't hot. Not a hair on their head was singed. Listen to what God has done. Not a hair on their head was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. And this is, this is the one I just want to shout, hallelujah, praise God. They didn't even smell like smoke. The bearing of that circumstance that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had, God was in full control of. But what if, Danny, if they would have burned up, he'd have gathered the ashes up and done what he needed to do with them. But this particular passage of Scripture, God steps in, literally, he steps in, he saves these three guys, and I do believe it, their faith and trust in him was, was huge, but it was all God. It was all God. So I want to end this way. There is a 100% chance you're going to have circumstances. Everybody in this room, everybody listening on live stream, you're going to have circumstances. There's a really, 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 really good chance some of those are going to be really, 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 really difficult. Jesus told us, He promised us, there'll be trials, there'll be times. <laughs> There's a really, 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 really good chance that God will intervene. In fact, I'm going to go further than this. Absolutely, God will be in your circumstance. Absolutely, he'll be in your circumstance, whatever it is. There's how many folks here today? Less than 20, I don't know. Let's just say, let's call it 25 and be happy, okay? So 25 folks in the next year, which we're approaching, in the next year, some of us may not be here at all. Some of us may have the most glorious year coming. Some of us will get news from a doctor you got 16 weeks. It's, just, it's possible. Some of us will, will, will face things like I never saw that coming in a good or bad way. Good or bad way. I've never, never seen that coming. There, we're going to face circumstances every single day. Almighty God is in control of every one of them. Don't forget that. He is in control of every 
one of them, every minute moment of your circumstance. It helps me to know that anything I face, God's already been there. There isn't a circumstance that ever happened in my life that God will say, wow, I didn't see that coming. Everything I ever face, every change in my life, everything that will happen in my life, God is in complete control over. As much control of that circumstance in my life as he was in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Every bit of it. And he has laid out the circumstances. Last word. I don't want to know. Y'all looking hungry. Some of you done fell asleep. Wake up! Oh, it ain't that late. Good grief. Let me say this. <clears throat> I was going to say something. <laughs> God is in control of, of every one of our, our circumstances. It helps me to know that in Psalm 139, he said, I, I created you, I knitted you together in your mother's womb, I laid your days before you, one was ever lived. 1966, November 3rd, 1145, God had already way, 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 way before then laid out the circumstances for Danny Kaiser uh, from, from that date to the day he takes me home. God already looks down the corridor of my life. He looks down my life. He already knows. He knew he was going to save me. He knew he was going to work, work with me. He knew you guys would have to put up with me as a pastor. Yeah, he, he knew all that. He knew every bit of that. I can't believe the audacity I have had sometimes to say, man, that could have went so much better. And hey, true, I could have been a more obedient. I, absolutely, that can be a true statement. But it also can be, we need to think about, it went like God intended it to go. Because now he's using that very thing to change you. Ain't nothing like, uh, ain't nothing that'll bring change about like God revealing revealing to us our sinfulness, where we are, who we are. I don't know if anybody has ever done this, but if you uh, I, I occasionally will look back over some of my life, and I'm still so ashamed, so ashamed of things I did, said, and then God reminds me, I took all that. You're not guilty. You're mine. I've made you new. I'm your God in every circumstance. So, respond to the other changes that God brings about. Or respond to the other plans. Trust God. I hope it didn't make that difficult. I hope it didn't make it too simple. I hope, uh, hope that you grasp it. Um, if there's one thing that Christians need today, they need a, a proper understanding of who God is. He doesn't struggle to be to be who He is. Nothing catches Him off guard. Yeah, I'm done. Let's pray. Almighty God, <clears throat> I thank you. Father, I don't know... A, exactly how, how all of that will land in our hearts and our minds, but you do. And God, because you're all-powerful and you're all-knowing, and God, you're all-consuming, God, because you are God, I pray that at least we will think about these things, that we will reread these scriptures, that we will, <clears throat> we will think and ponder what you did with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Father, sometimes when we uh, say things like this or, or quote these scriptures, it can be looked at as, oh yeah, I learned that story in Sunday school. God, this is real. This is real. There was a Shadrach, there was a Meshach, and there was a Abednego. They faced an intensive, hard circumstance that the king followed through on. He did what he promised. But their words rang true because of you, that you 
take care of them. And you did. To the degree that they didn't even have the smell of smoke on them. What a, what a father. I praise your name and I thank you. May your name be glorified and honored. In our circumstances, you're working just as, just as well. You're God over all of them. My prayer today is that we can realize and see that. God, I pray that, that we learn to, to trust, truly trust. Father, I thank you. I praise your name. May you be glorified and honored in our lives this week. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.